A significant element to most ranches is your finances, which means a relationship with the banking institution. But could you do what you're doing now without the bank or maybe just less of a reliance on a bank? It's you being the banker and you have to take responsibility for that. Mary Jo Ehrman, author of the book Farming Without the Bank, is my guest as we discuss her book and a concept of what she believes could be a useful financing tool for those of us in agricultural operations. But if you think this show is all about selling this concept, think again. When I meet with a client and they don't know their numbers and they're ticked off at their banker, I'm like, your banker is not the problem. You are the problem. Join us on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. everyone and welcome back again here to another episode of the working ranch radio show i'm justin mills coming to you from the windswept plains of northeastern wyoming and man oh man it just seems like this year has not has had a lot more wind than normal and that has come up now i don't know if we just have short memories or if that's for real and and at some point i want to have that conversation with meteorologist don day we're not going to talk about it with him today we're actually going to be talking about uh weather patterns that we've seen since back to the 1950s that has shown the amount of uh, a dry weather period of years and and how that correlates with La Nina and El Nino's. Really some interesting information that meteorologist Don Day will be sharing with us in addition to our long-term weather. On our show today, as we said at the top of the program, we're going to be talking a little bit about financing as we have our guest today, uh, Mary Jo Ehrman, who's a farm finance consultant and author of the book, Farming Without the Bank. And again, I want to read reiterate not only are we going to be talking about uh, the her book and some of the things that she has in her book but I think there's going to be some of our discussion that she and I have that I think you're going to find very very useful whether or not you choose to follow through or, or look further into what she is talking about in the concept with her book farming without the bank that is going to be their featured interview today I do want to thank our sponsors of today's show and the American Simmental Association again sponsors our show a breed that offers reliable calving ease, early growth, and cow longevity. You can do that. Did you know that? With Simmental-influenced cows that don't have those big feed bills. If you want to find out more, go to their website at Simmental.org. Also, Bobcat, one tough tractor. And if you go to their website, you can use the build and quote tool. You can design your own ideal machine. Go to their website at Bobcat.com. Well, right now, let's check in, as we always do in every show, with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there. While you're busy calving and branding and turning out cows, we are in the office here diligently putting together the summer issue of Working Ranch Magazine. And in our genetics column, I'm just looking at it right now by Jamie Pullman. She's been writing this for many years for us. Great story. Why not artificial insemination? Surprisingly few beef producers tap into the rapid evolutionary powers of this half century old technology. And a 2017 USDA survey um, estimated that over 11, just over 11% of U.S. beef producers use AI. And Justin, I did not know that. I thought it was quite a bit higher than that. The survey says um, some of the reasons why not enough time, labor, or the right setup. They don't have enough knowledge about AI or find the process more complicated than it is worth. Uh, they find it a risky choice in terms of potentially lower conception rates, and they are most comfortable with the simplicity of letting a bull do the work of heat detection. And th- these are all valid concerns, and I get it. But listen to this. The North Florida Research and Education Center began using an extensive AI program in 2008 on 300 cows in order to shorten the breeding season and increase calf value for that herd. Over five years, the breeding season was reduced to 70 days from 120. By 2012, so just in over five years, calf value had increased by $124 per calf just in improving the genetics and tightening up that calving window. So folks, check it out. Next uh, issue, summer issue, Working Ranch Magazine. It should be in your mailboxes about the middle of June. Back to you, Justin. I know you got a great show. 
All right. Thanks, Captain. And folks, if you do not have your subscription to the Working Ranch Magazine, may I suggest going to the website at workingranchmag.com and you can get your subscription started today. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, Mary Jo Ehrman is my guest, author of the book, Farming Without the Bank. And folks, I want to tell you, not only are we going to be talking a little bit about the concepts with their, are contained in her book, but we're going to be going a little bit deeper than that. And our discussion as we talk about farm financing, regardless of what the concept is in her book, I think you will find extremely useful and beneficial. We'll be back when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Living in the country means working in the country, and that calls for a tough tractor. Well, Bobcat has 15 models in its compact tractor lineup from 21 to 58 horsepower. With the help of your local Bobcat dealer, you'll find a perfect match for your property and to-do list. Get a look at all the different models at Bobcat.com, and while you're there, use the Build and Quote tool to design your ideal machine. Get yourself one tough tractor from one tough animal. Bobcat. Visit Bobcat.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We thank you for joining us here on our program as we head now into our featured interview today. And uh, as we said at the top of the program, we're going to be getting into this this topic. I know for some folks here in the in the ranching industry, maybe you've heard of this topic and maybe you haven't. But nevertheless, if you are in ranching, you probably have to deal with finances. And it is a big part of our businesses. Uh, and I say businesses because that's what we are. And so today joining me is Mary Jo Ehrman with Farming Without the Bank. And Mary Jo, first of all, I want to thank you for joining us here as you finding yourselves in a soggy North Dakota that many parts of the country wishes they had as much moisture as you guys had in North Dakota. Yeah, thanks. I don't know. You know, it doesn't feel soggy because it rained and then we had gale force winds. And so we've had one day without wind. So I can't I can't even say that it's soggy. Okay, well, well, the moisture is better than it was last year. But let's let's get into into we're going to talk about a lot of different things, folks. And first of all, Mary Jo, I want to set this up in the fact of you know, what brought this about from where you're at as a financial advisor that really brought this out in, in the fact that you said, man, this is something that I feel as a, as a farm girl, ranch girl yourself, that you felt this could be useful. So let's go back and set this up and the dynamics within ranching and farming that you feel this has some usability to it. So I came across the, so I'm not a financial advisor in the sense of like stocks and bonds and I don't hold a financial advisor license. So I just want to clear that up right away. But I, so I teach the infinite banking concept. I learned about that concept in 2010, right after I lost 50% of my money in the market. And I was like, this is not what I had planned for. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so of course you call your financial advisor and they say, hang in there, it'll come back. And in the midst of all of that, I found um, the infinite banking concept. So once I saw the concept, I thought, oh my gosh, this is exactly what farmers and ranchers need because I come from a farm ranch background. My dad was a purebred breeder for almost 30 years, I believe. And and they, my brother and my dad still farm together. And so I'm like, I, they need this, right? Because they go to the bank and the bank says, oh, hey, sorry, you can't have money this year. Or, hey, are, you know, what? Are, you better sell grain right now or you better sell cows right now. And I also watched my dad buy things at auction when my grandparents died. And I, I saw that whole family transition and how that went. And people didn't talk to each other for a few years after that. Mm-hmm. And it just... We didn't, not everybody was on the same page. Mm -hmm. And I've seen the struggle, right? So I said, this can help them. And then nobody believed me, Justin. (laughs) I was because at the time, corn was $7 a bushel, Yeah, right? We had a high in the market. When I wrote my book, we had a high in the market. And 
farmers would literally laugh at me in my face as they walked by me at a farm show. And they're like, I don't need you because I, corn is so high, I don't need you. And they would walk over to the John Deere show space or the Case IH and they're just looking for things to buy to avoid taxes. And I thought, you know what? This is ridiculous. Well, you guys have met your match because I'm ornery and you're ornery. (laughs) And so I'm going to write a book and you're going to read it because what they were, I was showing them numbers, but what they were missing was the concept and the thought process around utilizing money. Mm -hmm. And we have to fix that. Then we can go into the numbers. And so I wrote the book and now they read the book and they're, it's a whole different ball game, right? Because they're saying, oh my gosh, these things really are happening. Mm -hmm. And even you know, I tell a funny story. Even my dad is like, Mary Jo, I've had the same banker for 30 years and I can just call him and tell him I need money. I said, until you can't, what happens if if that small town bank gets bought out and now he has to go to the board because he no longer has the power. And lo and behold, that happened about three years later. (laughs) He got bought out by a big bank and he still doesn't have any problems, right? But he just can't, the banker can't just make that decision off of his cuff anymore because now we have a board to go to. And so as much as farmers and ranchers like to tell me, well, I don't have a problem with my banker. Well, that's fantastic because we all need bankers. I use bankers. So that's great. And I love it when it works out. But do we want them to always be the plan A? Mm-hmm. Um, they should be plan B, not plan A. They We should... If we need to get rid of them or if we want to use them, it should be an option to want to use them, not have to use them and then not sleep at night because we have to make that bank payment. Mm -hmm. We have to sell when they tell us to. Sometimes they don't get the fertilizer or the chemical they need. You know, I've I've had stories where, oh, I've got seed, but then they won't lend me money for fertilizer or chemical. Well, okay, that's great now what do you do? Right. Or I've got money for cows, but they won't give me money for hay. Oh, that's not going to work out so good. (laughs) So at some time, the bank has to pull back too. Mm -hmm. And we've also seen that, you know, when corn was high, every bank wanted to get into agriculture, every single bank. Here's the money. Here's the money. Here's the money. As soon as commodity prices fell, those banks pulled out very quickly leaving a lot of really good people that made payments without new loans going forward because they just wanted to jump out of agriculture. They didn't even want to be in it anymore. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what's going to happen. Hence, we should always be in control. Mm -hmm. Another dynamic that I think, and and maybe younger uh, generation ranchers like myself, I don't have a, a bunch of collateral, so I don't have a lot of land that I can put up for collateral. However, ranchers that have been in business a long, long time probably have that land for collateral. And as long as you have collateral, more than likely, you're going to find a bank that would probably loan you money, knowing at the same time, you're probably digging the hole just a little deeper every time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so what's happening there is I have, it's actually pretty crazy to like, look at my clientele and how many millennials I have Mm -hmm. over the older generations. But the what's happening is the older generation let's just say the boomers the boomers go to the bank and then the gen xers come in and they try to get a loan well if they don't have a relationship with the bank the bank's going to say no we're not lending you anything or no you don't have collateral and so they're taking on that risk and the it's a risk the bank is taking on a risk we can't just expect them to hand over money so even with the even with the younger generation going in, a lot of them are going to FSA. Well, their collateral is your paycheck from your off the farm job and and or the cattle that you're buying. And so some I always tell I always tell some of my ranchers and farmers, I'm like, you know, the best thing that you can hear is no. If the yeah, bank tells yeah. you no, that's actually really nice because that's going to make you figure out how to get it done, but differently. And you might have to grow slower. We don't have to have, you know, so many of these younger farmers and ranchers 
are like, well, Mary Jo, I need 300 head of cattle. <laughs> I said, no, you need 40 acres and 10 head. Like, <laughs> we have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. We don't need to start as big as the guy next door. And when mom and dad transition out, let's say that you're coming in and taking over mom and dad's operation. Mm -hmm. Well, if mom and dad did not estate plan correctly to pass off some money for you to keep going, you're basically starting over. You didn't get it just handed to you. You got it with expenses and cows that still need to be fed and ground that still needs to be planted. And so this misconception that, oh, you got it because mom and dad helped you, but you don't know how that got transitioned. Mm -hmm. Like you have no idea. So, and we're not passing it off correctly. That's another, that is a huge, in my opinion, it is the biggest issue that we have as to why we're losing farms is because we're passing it off with debt. We're passing it off and making the next generation buy out the previous generation. Just because I was born there, they think, I think that I should be entitled Mm -hmm. to something. When in fact, I haven't done squat in 20, 30 years, 40 years in some cases, but you still think because you were born there, you should get something Mm -hmm. like that. Some of that needs to change and then it won't be so hard for that next generation to get started. And we wouldn't need the banks as much. Mm -hmm. Boy, I tell you what, I mean, you nailed it on the head there. I, I, in fact, I wrote in my notes before we started uh, the interview here today, a state transfer. And it was basically, I just feel like part of what's setting this up is the fact that we have not been able to transfer these ranches to the next generation in a healthy way. So you hit that right on the head. Folks, stay with us. We have more to come. We've set this up. Next segment, we're going to talk about kind of what this works. I'm visiting today with Mary Jo Ehrman, who is the author of Farming Without the Bank book. Uh, you may have heard heard it. There's, of course, a website you can go to on that. We're going to talk about what this looks like to begin the implementation of it, how that would work on a ranch set, setting situation when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. At the American Akaushi Association, we're more than prime. The American Akaushi Association was created to help ranchers be more profitable and find opportunities when using Akaushi genetics in their herd. We focus on market opportunities for our members and offer support from conception to consumer. When you choose Akaushi, you have a network right there with you. Experience the difference at akaushi.com. That's A-K-A-U-S-H-I.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills, and my guest today is author of the book, Farming Without the Bank, Mary Jo Ehrman. She's a farm finance consultant out of North Dakota. And Mary Jo, in the segment just ahead of this one, you and I were discussing kind of the the scenario that we find ourselves here in the ranching industry, the agricultural industry, that uh, you felt was really propagated you to write this book, and it was based off of the infinite banking concept. So I, I want you to now to kind of to kind of explain a little bit of how this would be implemented or what it would look like. So basically, what we're doing is it's it's ended up being twofold. It did not start out that way. <laughs> Hence the name of the book. Um, The whole point of everything that I was trying to do is get rid of the bank. But what I did not see in the process was the estate transition part of it that we were just talking about. Mm -hmm. And so really what we're doing is saying, hey, can we utilize our money differently? Because as farmers and ranchers, if we do make a profit, we're like, well, we didn't make any money. Well, but you did. All you did was you took any of the profit that you did make and you did what? You bought more cattle. You bought equipment with cash. You did all these things with cash that then what? Make you look broke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or we're going to buy things to avoid taxes, which is not helping anybody. And so, except the bank and the lender. But At the end of the day, we need to figure out how to utilize the money differently. So what basically the infinite banking concept teaches is can we put our money somewhere that we can keep it liquid that so we can still buy land, cattle, equipment, seed, feed, fertilizer, all that stuff. We can put our money someplace that we create the bank 
So now we have a pool of money and we are in control of it. We get to use it as the bank. We get to borrow it. We get to pay it back on our terms because we're the banker. That, but now we need that tool. Mm -hmm. And that tool that houses that money is a whole life insurance policy that pays dividends. That is super, super important. And the reason why is because that tool allows our money to grow at a guaranteed rate until the day we die. So if we put money into a checking account or into a savings account, we'll save up and we'll buy that tractor. So we save up to $600,000, for example, and then we're gonna drain that account. Well, now we're earning interest on nothing. We could have been earning interest on 600,000, but now we're earning it on nothing. If we put that same money in a policy, it's gonna earn us a guaranteed rate and a dividend until the day we die, because when we need to use it, we go to the policy and we borrow against it and it stays in the account. So it's very much like back in the eighties, people would borrow against a CD and so, because CDs paid 14, 15%. Then they would walk over to the loan officer's office and they would say, hey, can I borrow $600,000? I got my CD earning 15%. And the loan officer would say, sure, we'll just use your CD as collateral. Well, the only difference in that scenario is the bank owner got the profit from that loan right? Mm -hmm. So the owners of the bank are getting the dividends. In the whole life scenario, I am getting the dividend because I'm part owner of that company. And so there's a huge, that, that's the, the huge outlook of kind of what it is. Mm -hmm. The other part of that for me and for the farming and ranching industry is we have death benefit that we then pass off to the next generation. And that either goes to the off the farm kids or it's gonna go to the kid on the farm. It's gonna pay off debt so that we're transitioning without having the farm kid to buy out the off the farm kids or we're leaving them with money. And we're doing that with a discounted dollar that is income tax free. So. Not only do we get to use our money, we get to earn interest on our money, uninterrupted compound interest and dividends. We get to pass the farm off and make sure we're saving farms instead of destroying them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Nelson Nash was the gentleman that developed this concept. And he said, you finance everything you buy. You're either going to give up the ability to earn interest on that money or you are going to pay interest to somebody else. So if you use cash, you gave up the ability to earn interest for a depreciating asset. If you put it in an investment, it's gonna earn you something as long as the market's up. And if you borrow from the bank, you're gonna pay them interest. So interest is, it's not that cash doesn't cost you anything. Cash does cost you anything. We're just not taught to think that way. So as, as we look at this, and, and we, when Mary Jo mentioned that this is a whole life policy, I know a lot of probably folks, if you listen, I know a lot of our followers here are also the followers of Dave Ramsey, and instantly probably a red flag came up. We're going to address that later, but Mary Jo, I want to continue to talk a little bit more about this. So, if, so somebody says, okay, so it, it requires an investment in a whole life policy. What's that look like? I mean, let's, and I don't, I mean, I know, I know typically it's probably about a, you know, 45 minute conversation with you that you have with somebody interested in that. How do we try to condense that down here into a couple minutes? So it, you're right. It is an hour and a half. <laughs> it's actually an hour and a half conversation with me. So, but at the end of the day, it's really dependent on where are we financially? You know, I have clients that put $3,000 a year in to start premiums, and I have clients that do half a million dollars of premium a year. Where are you financially? Normally, we're at $15,000, $20,000 a year. That is normal. Is that going to get you out of the banking system anytime soon if you need a million dollars? No, but you didn't farm and need a million dollars overnight either. So let's just use 20,000 as an example. Okay. If you put 20,000 of premium in, you can turn around and borrow 15 of that 
in seven to 10 days. So we're really only putting in five, that's buying death benefit because it's still life insurance. But the other 15, we're going to borrow against that and we're going to go buy seed, fertilizer, cows, you know, whatever that you need to buy with it, side by sides. We're going to use it and then you get to decide how you want to pay that back. So for example, let's say that you put 20,000 in, you borrow 15 because you need to buy hay. Well, you might want to pay that back in 12 months because you might need hay again next year, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to treat it like an operating note. You're going to pay it back in 12 months. If you buy $15,000 worth of cows, well, typically you're going to finance those five to seven years. So you might say, you know what? I'm going to finance them. I'm going to pay it back over seven years. I don't have to pay it back over 12 months. I have a gentleman that and and I, I love his story. So he was working off the ranch and the plan was, oh, we're going to buy mom and dad's ranch in five, 10 years. Well, dad got sick. He had to buy dad's ranch early. So he had a loan on his policy for nine years before he ever paid any principal back. He paid the interest only, but that allowed him to get through some massive droughts that allowed him to get the bank paid off. And he just carried that note in his policy and nobody cared. Nobody was asking him, well, when are you going to pay that note? He bought bulls through that. He did some stuff with a house through that. He got married. He like, Mm -hmm. he did all these things. And now this year he's like, okay, now I can pay that back because I have the bank taken care of. So it's been a process, but that's what it's, that's the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. And his money was still earning him the compound interest and dividends. So where you start is 100%. It's, we have to sit down and look at those finances. You might be in a position where I say, you know what, Justin, I'm sorry, but you can't start. You're going to need to go to a ranching for profit school, or you're going to need to do something to figure out those finances. Because if you come to me and you don't know your books, I'm not going to, I'm, it's not Mary Jo being the banker. It's you being the banker and you have to take responsibility for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to go through some of your numbers, very general, But that general is going to give me an idea of how you're spending money and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And can we shift some of it into whole life? Most, I would say 90% of the people that come and see me, they're like, I don't have any money to do anything with it. (laughs) I don't have it. And I'm like, well, you just paid off a tractor. You just paid off a baler. You just paid off a cattle note. You just paid off a pickup. You bought a side-by-side last year with cash. You built a building last year with cash. Why did you spend cash on that stuff? Why didn't we run it through the policy first? And then we'll go over mm-hmm. those strategies. Mm-hmm. You know, and you brought up a really good point that I was, it's like you're reading my mind and the next question I was going to ask here because because you said, you know, as you sit and you go through the numbers with somebody, it may not fit at this point in time. because, And so that leads me to this thing is that it takes some discipline because, I mean, I've got a brother that's a banker. I actually spent a, a, a little bit of time uh, when I had, after I'd left Billings, Montana to come back to the ranch just for a period of time uh, with a bank. And they're, they're you know, they're going to say, if I can just hear my brother, he's going to say, but you got to be disciplined. If you can't be disciplined, this is maybe not the tool. Nope. If you don't, if you want me to be the banker. mm -mm. And so this is the one thing that I've learned over the years. I mean, I've talked to thousands of farmers and the one thing that I have learned is I actually am the banker's best friend because bankers are scared of me just by the title of the book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm like, there are two sides to every story. And I can tell you when I meet with a client and they don't know their numbers and they're ticked off at their banker. I'm like, your banker is not the problem. You are the problem because I wouldn't lend you money. If you came and asked me for money, I would tell you the same thing the banker's telling you. Mm -hmm. Where are your numbers? When you go to the banker and you want him to run your operation, then he's running your operation. If you don't know your numbers, why should they lend money to you? Because I wouldn't, (laughs) you know, it is, it, and 
And if we can get them, here's the other thing. If we can get you profitable, if I can come in and say, you know what, you do you need that new piece of equipment? Are we really needing to buy that to avoid taxes? Because you're going to buy this piece of equipment to avoid taxes, then you're going to go to the bank and you're going to pay them interest. What you paid in interest is basically what you saved in taxes. You didn't make any money. <laughs> like you didn't save anything. Understand how your taxes work. That is that is not the banker's fault. I had a farmer tell me, well, the accountant said I need to buy something and the banker told me he'd lend me the money. And so now the banker's all worried I can't even make the payment. And I said, and who wrote the check? It's your operation. Yeah. Yeah. You wrote the check. You didn't have to take the money and you didn't have to take the accountant's advice, but you chose to. So don't be so hard on the banker because he's running a business and he knows what his bottom line is. Mm -hmm. You don't know your bottom line and farming and ranching is a business and you need to start running it like a business. This whole concept that we wear this badge of honor because we're broke. Really? <laughs> I don't. Last I checked, it's not you don't go to the business that's falling apart in town and be like, woohoo, look at that guy. He doesn't know how to run his business. No, you talk about that guy and go, geez, look at that guy. He doesn't know how to run his business. <laughs> right. Yeah. And farmers and ranchers need to sit back and kind of see that, that we can't run it like dad and grandpa did. Those days are gone. Mm -hmm. We have to be profitable. And then once we're profitable or we need to utilize our money differently, to get to where we need to be to save the farm and to take back some of that control. Mm -hmm. You bet. My guest today is Mary Jo Ehrman. Farming Without the Bank is the book that she wrote, and uh, she continues to work with farmers and ranchers across the country in, in uh, developing those principles. We'll stay with us, folks. When we come back, as promised, we're going to go back and address this issue of whole life insurance. I know uh, for a lot of folks that might have thrown a red flag up in your opinion as we talk about this. We're going to visit more about it with Mary Jo when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we finish up our conversation today, my guest is Mary Jo Ehrman, who's with Farming Without the Bank. Uh, and we'll talk more about uh, more information if you're interested in finding out more information on that. But Mary Jo, uh, one of the things I do want to address, and, and that is the fact that, and you brought that up in, this, in the previous segment about kind of how this functions is through a whole life policy. And I know when, when you said that, uh, we have a lot of followers that are of the Working Ranch Radio show that are also followers of Dave Ramsey Financial. Uh, and so I, I know there was probably some red flags that instantly came up. And so let's talk about that because I think it's important that, that we that we look at that. I know you addressed it. You have yourself have a podcast and I believe episode 14 was one of those episodes that you talked about that a little bit. So when folks come in and they say, hey, you're talking whole life. This isn't, this isn't mesh with what we have with some other financial consulting advice. Let's talk about that. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't agree with Dave on a lot of stuff, <laughs> but I do agree with Dave on his budgeting mm -hmm. piece of it, right? So you still, and we've talked about that. You have to be profitable. You have to budget. You have to make sure that you have money. And I actually have a lot of Dave Ramsey clients because a lot of those people come in and go, okay, this is great. Dave is right in the aspect of this is what I need to do with the budget. But what he's not addressing is how do I get this loan? How do I do these loans? How do I estate plan? How do I do all the stuff we've already talked about? Because 
you either have to go to the bank and you have to qualify for all that stuff and I can't and I need more money than what Dave is ever dealing with because he's not dealing with farmers and ranchers and that sort of thing. And so Dave's big hang up with whole life insurance. Well, first he just did a new video on whole life because before he was, his thing is, is, oh, he called whole life. There's really, there's permanent life insurance. And then underneath the permanent umbrella, there's whole life, universal variable and indexed. Okay. And Mm -hmm. a mixture of kind of those last three. Okay. And he was talking about universal life, variable life and indexed. So when Dave talks about management fees and just fees in general, and these policies collapsing and going backwards, he and I agree 100%. Those are not good policies, but they are not whole life. They are permanent life insurance policies that are supposed to go your whole life, but they don't. I have a whole chapter in my book warning you about those policies. (laughs) You know, Nelson Nash, the founder of the concept, has a whole point in his book warning you about those policies. We are all on the same page as Dave. Now, when Dave talks about whole life, because he's recently released a video about that, when he talks about whole life, his big hang up is commission that I make. Okay. Okay. But what Dave's not talking about is how commission gets paid. So when we when we get paid commission on a policy, it's to the portion of the policy that goes to life insurance. Well, we're not putting all of our money to the life insurance portion of the policy. We're putting a lot of that money into cash value. That piece of the puzzle, the commission is almost zero. Like I can't buy groceries with it. So that it's not that's a void point or a mute point, but he thinks that that is making his point. It's like, Dave, look at the commission. What is the commission that financial advisors are making on their portfolio? They also get paid to do that. Mm -hmm. And so the whole picture is not being released. Um, There is cost of insurance. Oh, whole life insurance is too expensive. Go buy term. You can't buy term insurance till you're 121, just so y'all know. (laughs) Like you can go until you're about 85. Well, if I buy term insurance every 30 years until 85, the cost per dollar of death benefit is actually more with term insurance than it is with whole life. So why is whole life more expensive for premium? It is because we are going to pay that claim. You are going to die on our watch. That life insurance policy goes until you're 121. The insurance company does not say, oh, we only have 20 years. Yeah, chance of you dying within 20 years is pretty minimal. No, they're like, okay, we've got 60, 70 years. We are going to have to price this accordingly so that we can make sure we pay that claim and that you have, we have to guarantee an increase in cash value every year because your cash value and your death benefit have to equal each other at age 121. So there's a lot of things that he's just not explaining that need to be explained. And there's proof of that when I get all these Dave Ramsey clients that are like, oh, well, he didn't say that. And oh, that makes sense. And I read that in the book and that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I actually had a, a client during COVID that he was a Dave Ramsey coach. And he said, Mary Jo, this is the second time I have gone broke because of the economy. The first time was in 08 and 09. My company got shut down. I had to drain my IRA. The second time was during COVID. I had to shut my company down and I had to drain my 401k or my IRA to live. He said, I did not have any debt. I was living exactly like Dave told me but I did not have any passive income. Mm-hmm. And so I I have to start over. I have nothing. And now I have $13,000 of credit card debt because I didn't have any passive income. And so along with the infinite banking, right? We're saying, hey, use that cash value 
to buy cattle, to buy land, to buy things that produce money. And this is the piece that Dave is missing. And he's missing the uninterrupted compound interest. His other big deal is, oh, you're going to borrow against the cash value and you're going to pay interest. Yes, you are. You're going to pay interest to the company you own part of. So, Justin, if you and I Mm -hmm. were related, let's say, hey, dad, can I have some money? And you're like, sure, I'll lend it to you at 5%. I'll lend it to you at 10%. If I'm your kid, I should not complain about that because it's going back into my inheritance, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with whole life insurance. Yes, I am borrowing at an interest rate because they are acting like a bank at that point. But if the company makes money, I get the form of a dividend. Not all of it, but some of it. And we're just not, we're not seeing that whole picture. Folks, my guest today is Mary Jo Ehrman, and we've been talking about the farming without the bank system that uh, she has a book on, and we just got a few minutes left, Mary Jo, and I still have a ton of questions, <laughs> you know, but, and, and I know there's other folks probably with some questions like, okay, then let's let's kind of look at term versus this and, and the different scenarios, second to die policies. I mean, there's just a lot of factors because so much of this is really going back to a state transfer really in some ways. And so there, there's some questions here, some other things, but I, we don't, unfortunately we just don't have a two hour show here. <laughs> so I guess let's talk about, you know, how folks can get some more information if they want to talk to you about this, because I think it would warrant just a conversation with you. And again, I want to go back to this may not fit everybody and we're not saying it fits everybody, but it could warrant a conversation to learn more. So how do they do that? So the first thing that I just tell people to do is you have to get the book. You have to go get the book and read it. Um, and no, I am not just trying to sell books for heaven's sakes. You, It is a, I can sit and teach you for six hours what this is, or you can read it in three. It's really that simple. And so you have to read the book. Then you get a free consultation with me. It's an hour and a half. Justin, you mm-hmm. and I have done it. Yep. It's an hour and a half. I go over everything. And if it works, it works. I try to explain as much as I can. I have two podcasts. I have Farming Without the Bank and I have Without the Bank. So two podcasts that I am constantly giving information on. The second to die policies. I'm pretty sure I've done one on that because I don't like them. <laughs> I think they're a waste of money. I just did one on Index Universal um, and variable policies and why they are not good for estate planning and why they're not good for infinite banking and the Dave Ramsey one. And so there's a lot of information there. So that's where you start, schedule your appointment. We talk, I'm not going to sell you anything. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't work, but I probably made a new friend. <laughs> yeah, you bet. So farmingwiththebank.com is the website, correct? And uh, yes. they can just go on there and they can find out more information. They can also get hooked up with you in terms of if they want to schedule that uh, or get the book ordered. So, and like you say, the book is just a supplement, really. That's, I mean, and it's not a hard read. I, I Unfortunately, this is just an audio podcast. I'm holding the book here and it's it's really simple to get through. So uh, we could, it can be something you can do. So Mary Jo, I sure appreciate you joining us folks you don't realize we had actually a really long conversation before we ever hit the record button that we both enjoyed and so uh but we did record this part of it here and uh, i want to thank you for joining us here on the working ranch radio show yeah you're welcome thanks for having me and again, my guest today has been Mary Jo Ehrman, author of the book Farming Without the Bank. And I do want to reiterate that uh, this is a tool. It may work for some, it may not for others. And by no means is this the silver bullet that's just going to make all your financial issues go away, but it might be a tool that could be used by some. So if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to Mary Jo and let her know. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, meteorologist Don Day joins us with a look at our long-term weather when we return on the Working Ranch radio show. Whoa, Herefords are the efficiency experts for a reason. In crossbreeding systems, Herefords boost pregnancy rates by 7% and add $30 per head in feed yard profitability. And Hereford genetics bring unrivaled hybrid vigor, longevity, and disposition. Now that'll stop you in your tracks. Come home to Hereford for more pounds, more calves, and more profit. Visit Hereford.org for a sale near you. 
And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here with you as meteorologist Don Day joins us now with a look at our long-term weather. And we'll get to some of that weather forecasting in just a little bit. But Don, one of the things that you have talked about here on our program before and does have an effect in our weather pattern across the country, and it's kind of a mouthful. I've been practicing here. I'm going to spit it out and see if it comes out all right. And that's Pacific Decadal Oscillation. And that is an aspect that we've talked about here before. And I want you to kind of hit back on that again and, and kind of how it correlates to what we're seeing with weather across our country here today. Yeah, this is especially relevant to the drought conditions that we have in the West and all the news you've been hearing about Lake Powell and Lake Mead. And by the way, you did a good job uh, <laughs> saying Pacific Decadal yeah, Oscillation. It's a mouthful. And it is a mouthful, yeah. So the, the thing with, with the Pacific Decadal Oscillation is, is it's easy to get confused, and there's really no reason to get confused when we talk about La Nina and El Ninos. What happens in the Pacific Ocean is, is that there are these 20 or 30 year cycles to where the Pacific is on the whole either a little colder or a little bit warmer. There's these fluctuations in temperature. And what they've noticed from studying this, and this all started from uh, folks who were studying how the salmon were running in the Pacific Northwest and British Columbia and up to Alaska, and they found out the salmon were were changing their, their patterns based on sea surface temperature. When they started connecting the dots, they noticed well, roughly, and it, it can be sometimes 20 years, sometimes 30 years or in between, the Pacific goes through these warmer and colder cycles. And simply put, when the Pacific goes through a cold Pacific decadal oscillation, we'll just call it a PDO to mm-hmm. make it simpler, you have more La Ninas and you have less El Ninos. But if you have more La Ninas over 20 or 30 years, those decades will more often than not have more drought. They'll have more drought years and they'll have less wet years. And when you have a warm PDO, you have more El Ninos and less La Ninas. And if we go back and where they've done some really good research, it's going back to 1950. So we're talking almost 75 years here. Okay. So the, the, the early 50s, 1950 through the late 70s, was a cold period, a negative PDO, we call it. And there were especially in the 50s. There were some severe drought conditions in the western United States, early 60s as well. And that period would be a time where there were 14 La Ninas and only six El Ninos. Then from the late 70s, from about 1978 to 1999, this was about a 20-year period, where there were 11 El Ninos, but only four La Ninas. Now, a lot of folks... If you go back and, and look at weather records, you'd find that, yeah, there were a couple of drought years mm-hmm. between the late 70s and the late 90s, but there weren't many. Mm-hmm. And there were actually some very wet years in the West during that time frame. Now, what happened in 1999 and right around the year 2000 is we went to a negative phase. The Pacific cooled off again. And so now we're, we're, we're on year 23 of this cycle. And we have since then had 13 La Ninas and only four El Ninos. So when you start connecting the dots, you find out that the, uh, and and this is why we talk so much about the Pacific, is is that when we have a higher frequency of La Ninas, when you start putting it 10 to 20 or 30 years in a row, this is where you have these prolonged periods of drier conditions. And then when you superimpose the last 23 years, in the Western United States, and really even going back to the late 70s, the population growth in the Western United States, and we're talking Arizona, we're talking Phoenix, Tucson, mm-hmm. talking Las Vegas. You're talking about the amount of people needing the water in the Colorado River Basin and everywhere else has gone up. While the last 25 years or so, roughly, precipitation has gone down. And that's a really bad recipe. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting dynamic to look at. And uh, and folks, I, I would encourage you, if you want to go back and look at uh, Don Day's podcast back on the 12th of May, if you go back and look at that, you're going to see that graph that he was talking about when we look at the different, the amounts of La Nina's, El Nino's in those different periods of time frame. Uh, let's look at our weather forecast now as we look across the country. We're still seeing as in the springtime of the year, a lot of weather moving across the northern portions of the country. And then, then now we're starting 
starting to also kind of getting into more of the typical summer thunderstorm patterns in the afternoons. Some of that starting to happen a little bit more frequently now. Yeah, I think we're 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 not quite there yet, uh, but we're close to seeing these really strong storms go across the north of the United States uh, and causing all the wind in the central and southern plains while bringing more wet weather to the northern plains. Uh, the northern plains and parts of the northern Rockies just got another really good dose of precipitation, but now it's starting to warm up. And what we're going to see in the week ahead uh especially in the western United States, parts of the central, uh, temperatures that I'm going to call mild. They're not going to be as warm as they've been this past week, especially in the Corn Belt, which got really, really warm. More of a moderate, typical mid-May weather pattern. And you mentioned it. There is going to be some good old-fashioned thunderstorm activity across parts of the central plains, the Midwest, and then back into uh, parts of the western high plains. And we're hoping that some of that activity is going to get further south uh, into parts of eastern Colorado, maybe parts of western Kansas. Uh, while we can't say it'll be widespread, there's at least some chances for that. Then we do see one more potentially stronger system coming out of the Pacific Northwest late next week and next weekend. That could end up being a pretty big weather maker in the sense that it could bring some decent precipitation, maybe severe weather. I think there's a really high likelihood of it. It's also one of these late May systems that could bring severe weather on the plains, Justin, Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the last high country snows of the season as well in parts of the central and northern Rockies and back into the Pacific Northwest as well. And if they can go far enough south, maybe by, oh, let's say seven days from now or so roughly, we'll start to see maybe parts of New Mexico parts of Southwest Texas maybe have some better chances of rain with that system and parts of Eastern Colorado as well. All right. Well, maybe some hope there for some folks down there in the central Southern Plains that have seen some pretty dry conditions. Don, we thank you for joining us here with a look at our long-term forecast here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. Meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com. Well, stay with us. Coming up next, we're going to put a wrap on this week's show, and we'll talk about what's coming up on the next episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Well, before we jerk the saddle off of this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show, I want to tell you what's on tap for next week's episode, as we are going to be talking about sustainability. Now, we've already had a couple different episodes from an institutional and a scientific approach to that. Episode 22 with Dr. Frank Mitlerner out of UC Davis was our guest then in episode 43. Dr. Kim Stackhouse-Lawson from Colorado State University joined us. But what does it mean to you and I as producers? And next week, We're going to be talking with three ranchers from across the country about what it means to them and why they feel it's an important topic for us to address. That's on next week's episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. A thank you to the sponsors of today's program, the American Simmental Association, Heterosis Works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. And Bobcat, one tough tractor. Visit Bobcat.com and use the build and quote tool to design your ideal machine. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. If you'd like to get a hold of me, send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Well, be sure to join us next week at this very same time and same place, or you can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. So long.